Welcome to Chapter 2 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Chris Belmont, CIO at MD Anderson Cancer Center. In this segment, Belmont talks about why he was willing to tackle a second EPIC rollout, the fine balance of presenting clean data without interrupting workflow, and how his team is leveraging tools like Watson to improve patient care and create better processes. You touched a little bit on um, your experience at Oxner. You had um, a pretty significant epic rollout there. So um, mm-hmm. my, my first question is, did you have any kind of reservations about, okay, I'm <clears throat> jumping back into this, this huge project at another organization? Yeah, yeah you know, it, it happened um, <clears throat> in the interview. It happened when I announced my uh, resignation at Oxner, and it happened when I had a conversation with my family. It's like, Dad, why do you want to do this again? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It uh, it was so rewarding, um, you know, to do what we did at Ochsner post Katrina, um, and turn around and have the opportunity to do it again here at MD Anderson, um, in a in a broader scale um, for a specific area. Really um, was exciting for me, and it was frankly humbling to have the opportunity. But then, really, what I tell people, it's like when you go to a Mexican restaurant and um, the waiter puts down the plate and says, "Don't touch it. It's hot." What do you do? The first thing you do is grab it. So, right. you know, I, I I just tell people that's why I'm doing it. I, I it's something's wrong with me. <laughs> it is fun to rally a team around the cause and um, and drive yeah. some transformation. I, I would imagine though that there were a couple you know lessons learned from that that you know having that kind of fresh in your mind that yeah. that you can apply. Yeah, um, one of the first uh, meetings I had here at MD Anderson, I, you know, they were asking me questions and. Um, I don't know, I made a comment, something like, well, you know, uh, now that I'm here at MD Anderson, I can get it right. And the guy who hired me says, uh, you know, I wish you would have brought that up in the interview that you had got it wrong. And I don't mean it that way. Like you said, there's a lot of lessons learned. Um, on the other hand, every institution is unique. Um, you know, so the the pace and the reasons we were doing at Oshner is slightly different, are significantly different than we're doing in here. So you have to adapt to that. But yeah, there are still a lot of lessons learned. And you know, it's amazing. I can see things coming, and um, people are starting to realize. Like I, I told them the other day, I said, you know, right about now, people ought to be having a lot of anxiety about what historical data will we put into Epic. And um, sure enough, you know, a couple of days later, we started getting emails from people about what are we rolling over, what's going to happen to my old data. So they, they, they think that I'm this uh, visionary, but the reality of it is it's, it's kind of predictable, and things just go through this uh, traditional life cycle, and you can expect it. And I think the advantage I'm bringing is um, how do we predict those and you know pr- respond prior to them coming up, so they don't bubble up to be crises. Right. It, it's probably not that similar, or not that different from uh, you know parenthood. Like you, you've been through uh, some of the <laughs> toughest years with one kid. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you're crazy for doing it again, but a lot of people do, and. <laughs> That's a that's a great comparison because it kind of is. You know, your second child doesn't get the same attention as your first, and you know, um, when they cry, you don't respond as fast. And uh, yeah. so same thing here. Okay, so um, one of the uh, the interesting things about you know MD Anderson is um, just the the sheer amount of of data you're dealing with, and. Um, yes. One of the things I wanted to ask you before getting into that strategy a little bit was about something called the the Moonshots program. Um, sure. What does that entail? Yeah, we um, our, our president announced a program um, specifically focused on um, eight cancers that uh, we're going to attack and and prevent and um, 
make a significant impact uh, on on those cancers. Um, you know, a very aggressively, very focused approach. It's funded specifically as a moonshots program. Um, so we're, we've announced those. We've had um, we have a lot of initiative chase, chasing those. But the reality is, there's a lot of data that's necessary. And what it put a spotlight on was the fact that a lot of the data that we had, or a lot of the data that we are going to use and leverage uh, for the Moonshot program um, is residing in, in different places. So the first thing is how do we ingest this and, and leverage it across the board? And then how do we drive the insights out of it? So what is happening in one cancer that might apply to another? So we're taking more of a, you know, more of a horizontal view of things, but very, so it's maybe a mile wide, a mile deep. Um, instead mm -hmm. of it being just, you know, a, a narrow focus on a specific set of cancers, we're, we're kind of looking at it institutionally. And we're having a major impact. I think in the leukemia area in specific, in, in particular, we are, um, we're really having an impact in, on the outcomes and, um, and the insights from the data that's being generated is significant. And, you know, the, we talked about Epic a minute ago, and it's not unrelated to this Moonshot program. So it's, uh, I think one of the things that, that um, I realized and that I'm driving for here is that many of these initiatives in the past from an IS perspective were kind of run parallel um, and they were parallel streams but you know it, it to me it's one information system for um, MD Anderson and Epic is a piece and the Moonshot initiatives are a piece and our big data are the same piece but it should be all interrelated and we should make the information available. So as Epic comes live, it'll become a feeder from Moonshot, so it'll help us identify patients that might be eligible for certain clinical trials. Um, and then the, the insights that we gain from, from the Moonshot program, can we drive those back into Epic at the point of care um, so that, you know, the knowledge we gain in research can get into the hands of the clinicians much quicker. Um, one of the statistics I heard was that the knowledge that we have today will take 10 years for it to become common knowledge, you know, in the general uh, medical industry. So how do we take that knowledge and drive it in there? We also have a couple other initiatives um, affiliated with it. Um, one is to democratize healthcare. So, uh, you know, expecting patients to come to Houston to get their care um, is not possible for everyone. Not to mention we don't have the capacity and there's really not a need. So how do we take the knowledge we have and, and democratize it and get it out to the world? Um, so we are aggressively moving on that. We're in the probably wrapping up our first year of uh, taking the insights and more or less um, uh, allowing others to leverage the knowledge we have. Um, and then we're using IBM Watson too. Um, and that started about two years ago, actually just a little bit before I got here and trying to um, train Watson to think more like an oncologist. So how can it ingest um, and look at all of the information that's out there, not only within MD Anderson, but all the journals and all the other literature that's been created, and uh, drive specific insights into patients. Um, so we're seeing great results with that. Um, training it is, is proving to be a little more difficult um, than we thought, but um, any training takes a while. So uh, we've made major strides. We just did our last annual report, um, and the progress is just uh, amazing and significant, and uh, will will accelerate our development um, of that that area quite a bit in the coming years. 
Okay. A really interesting work um, being done. And I, I can imagine that that's, that's a, has to be such a, a huge part of, um, you know, the, the IS priority, just harnessing this data and, you know, being able to, to leverage it so that, you know, it's, it's not taking years and years for, for these, you know, practices to, uh, to go to uh, the, the bedside. Agreed. And, you know, the big challenge we have, again, are like many other big data initiatives, is that our data is not always structured. So uh, a lot of the insights we gain will come from, you know, unstructured notes um, that have been collected for years. And how do we get that knowledge uh, in a format that can be uh, leveraged by the tools we have? Um, and then how do we, you know, not build Epic uh, in a similar fashion so that, Epic is allowing more structured information. And then balancing that with the fact that sometimes when you force a lot of structured data, it impacts the workflow. So we've got a delicate balance between how do we get the information we need but not impact the workflow and the, the ability for physicians to do their job and take care of patients. So it's, it's a challenge, and that's, again, part of the change enablement piece. Um, helping them understand that, okay, a little bit of extra work here is going to benefit us downstream. Okay. As far as, you know, taking, taking analytics a, li a little further, like what are some, uh, some of the other things that you're doing? Um, so part of our big data strategy, we're, while we're focused on moonshots initially, because that's our, uh, our primary focus, we're also um, looking at all data. So big data is not just clinical data and research data. It's, it's all data. So I think there's insights we can gain from, um, say, things like patient behaviors and patient demographics. Um, and I'll get into that in a minute. Also, all the information that's being generated with PeopleSoft um, can help us with operational and financial performance. So integrating supply chain with clinical and with research um, and giving the information um, uh, preventing our user from having to go on a scavenger hunt, and building correlations and relationships between data that otherwise you wouldn't think about. Um, and then it's interesting because we, we did a little bit of that at Oshner, and they're, they're doing much more. Is There's some gold nuggets of knowledge that pops out when you um, bolt things together. So one of the examples was um, when we actually put our phone switch data up against our scheduling data, um, it sounds very simple, but it's not, and many people don't think about it this way. But we could look at call volumes um, down to the agent and then look at appointments being booked. And um, we realized we had a lot of opportunity to optimize our business, and it drove not only better capacity management and better financial performance, but uh, patient satisfaction went up. So looking at the data that way is, is critical. Um, so uh, I think looking at all data is, is where we're going to go. Um, yeah. And, and then, um, um, but that's going to take a lot of time, and it's a, actually it never ends because there's always new pieces of data out there. Yeah, but that that's a really uh, you know good point about it, it doesn't always have to be the clinical data, but you know taking yeah. these other pieces and uh, using them to uh, you know improve things and. So I guess that kind of speaks to one of your overall goals of just, uh, you know, process improvement and just, you know, changing the way some of the, some of the business is done. Yeah, I think, um, you know, looking at the institution instead of looking at point solutions is going to be critical for IS. We have so many tools, so many powerful tools, and we have 
Um, like I said earlier, we have a lot of duplicates. But then how do we take advantage of it? So the, the way Watson works, for example, um, it takes all of this data and ingests it. You know, we get, um, you know, 40,000 applicants um, a year. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure if that's the right number, but that's, that's, I think, what I remember. So can you imagine how many resumes and profiles and non-structured information is flowing into the organization at all time? And, and the traditional way of having a, you know, an, a human resources screener look at all this and hopefully get the right candidate, make it through the gauntlet, and all of a sudden it gets to the person they need. Could we apply some of these Watson technologies to more or less ingest this and um, do analytic work and do some comparison and almost do an automated screening. So while we're trying to teach it to think like an oncologist, could we also teach it to think like a, you know, like a, um, uh, like an HR person? Um, so if we wanted a Portuguese-speaking critical care nurse, um, could we find that very quickly? Um, or could we predict that we need a Portuguese-speaking nurse? Because that's something that when you correlate that data with other patient performance, that that might be a, you know, a competency we're looking for. Um, so again, how do we take the tools we have and use it across the whole institution and not just keep it boxed up in one, one area? Right. It's kind of interesting, kind of exciting. Um, you know, people say, well, is that possible? And I, I absolutely. I mean, people mm -hmm. didn't think what, that Watson could think like an oncologist and was showing that that happened. So again, why can't we just do that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's really interesting. It, it it makes me think about you know when people talk about innovation and innovation yeah. doesn't have to be you know the, the, this grand uh, new invention, but more more like just different ways to do things that are maybe using less resources or you know just doing things in a better way. I agree. You know we um, we're using it's not Watson, but we're using the cognitive um, capacity of different platforms. You know, to also improve the patient experience. So we just did a quick trial. We took a, a cohort of about 80 or so patients and ran through a, um, you know, a, a process, and we, we gave them to one of our cognitive um, learning um, partners, and we just gave them some basic information about these 80 patients, and they came back uh, less than less than 60 days later, and they said, "Here's what we know about these patients. You know, here's a guy who." Um, is coming in, he's on this treatment, he comes in this frequent. We got permission, by, by the way, from these patients. And he's coming in for these treatments, he's coming in these frequencies, he likes basketball. The next appointment he has, um, the Houston Rockets are in town. Um, here's another guy who um, likes sports cars, and we notice close by you can rent a Ferrari, um, so we can offer this up for him. Um, here's a another family who obviously likes Chinese food. And again, they just went out to social media and they went out and they just found insights about these patients. So how can we make the MD Anderson experience better, not just clinically, but from a patient experience? Because when people engage with us, they're going to engage with us for a long time. So how can we help them through this process, not just, you know, being here for them as an institution, but how can we make their experience better overall? Yeah. Um, so those are those are kind of the things. Some of the things we're playing with, looking at, and trying to decide where they fit strategically with us. Um, but our patient experience is really important to us. We pride ourselves in in um, what we do, but I think we can always do a little bit better. Thank you for listening to this podcast from HealthSystemCIO.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at HealthSystemCIO.com backslash podcast.